Hello and welcome to another episode of the Health Disparities Podcast. Conversations about health disparities with people who are working to eliminate them across the country with passion and purpose. I am Dr. Bonnie Simpson-Mason, your host, and this week we are recording our conversations at the National Harbor in Maryland, where we are enjoying a program of speakers and workshops at the annual Movement is Life Caucus. Over the last year, Movement is Life has been running a series of grassroots health programs called Operation Change in both rural and urban settings. We are delighted to have leaders from these programs here with us at the caucus. Today, we are so pleased to have Ms. Hazella Rollins-Lavar from Mount Vernon, New York, who's the program director for the Operation Change program there. Thank you for joining us, and we can't wait to hear more about your program. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. I thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Well, tell us, uh, where is the Operation Change, where's your Operation Change program? Uh, where is it centered in New York? Our location is in Mount Vernon, New York, okay. which is a city in Westchester County. Okay. And um, I have been at Grace Baptist Church myself for about 13 years now. So our site is located at the church. So this is a faith-based this, center program. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Wow. Now, how was that? And for how many years has it been running? And We just finished our first 18-week program on Ooh. November 2nd, and we are prepared to start another one somewhere in 2020, I think somewhere in March. We're, we're trying to target the date. Congratulations. And then there will probably be another after that, because when we had our town hall meeting to just familiarize the community with what uh, movement as life is all about and specifically operation change then we had 150 women to sign up <laughs> and we can only take 50 at one time how about that so that's your capacity so you're running groups of 50 women through the operation change program yes. for 18 weeks at a time that's correct that is a huge undertaking. It is, and it's also quite inspirational for yes. all involved. Um, it's an exciting program. It's a program that definitely changes lives. Yes. And um, I'm just very fortunate to be able to be a part of it and to actually be in a position where I can tailor what we're doing for the faith-based community. Um, our participants are not only Grace members, okay. but we are open to the entire village of Grace, as we call it, which is all of Mount Vernon. Okay. We have some participants from the Bronx, some as far as Harlem, some as far as Connecticut, wow. but all over Westchester County. And as our previous program that we just finished has been going on, um, we have gotten so much more interest, so our waiting list is growing and growing and growing. Well, you all are going to need more more um, rotations, more program spots. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's wonderful. So for those uh, listeners who might be interested in developing their own faith-based operation change program, you said, you mentioned that 
you were able to tailor it to the faith-based community. Right. Well, let me start by saying that, um, you know, statistically speaking, we as African Americans and Latinas have the highest rate of everything. Every yes, we do. disparity that exists is there with our community. So um, I myself am a statistic. I am a stroke survivor and I went through a very bad time trying to get uh, myself back together. I was an opera singer, so I was very active prior to my illness. But then as I was recuperating, I um, was told by the medical community that I reached my best medical outcome at a certain point. That point, I was still paralyzed. They told me they would give me a wheelchair, a walker. I had a feeding tube because I couldn't swallow for well over a year. And they told me I could keep the feeding tube in for the rest of my life. And I couldn't speak. I couldn't hold my 10-day-old baby. She was 10 days old at the time I had oh, the stroke. Wow. Um, I was not able to function, so my quality of life had gone way down. Therefore, I really do understand personally the disparities that exist and how far the medical community will allow you to go before, well, depending upon what your um, status is, sure. because I was not in the wealthy 1% right. that could get whatever. So with that being said, um, I have a personal passion that's directed toward this program mm -hmm. um, because I see my sisters suffering from a lot of the same kinds of things. And uh, it doesn't seem to matter really what class or level that you're in. If you are African American, there's an immediate bias, be it conscious or unconscious, right. that occurs. And um, with that, then we need to learn to help to support each other. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and if our listening audience could see Ms. rollins Lavar sitting in front of me, you would have no idea <laughs> that you had had a stroke because she is glowing, effervescent, and fully mobile in every... Um, aspect. God is good. <laughs> yes, he is. And as I've even seen you over the course of the conference, I would never have known. So I just think that speaks to the power, A, of faith, but also of rehabilitation. And it sounds like you made a decision that that was not going to be your limitation. Choices, choices, decisions. Mm -hmm. Those are very strong things to consider. Um, I, I tell our participants all the time mm -hmm. that we have to make better choices. It starts with making a decision and then working very hard to make a change that will support that decision in a positive kind of way. I've always been a positive person, but of course, when you go through a major illness like that, you become very depressed. Sure. There are all kinds of things that are happening within you. And um, so I see this in the people that we're working with, mm -hmm. but I am an advocate for the least and the lost. Sure. As our pastor, Reverend Dr. W. Franklin Richardson, always tells us, the church is a hospital. Mm -hmm. We come there to be healed. So we are looking at um, listening and trying to hear what it is that is going to allow you to be able to individually make the change that you need to make. We don't want to preach at people. 
We want to listen to their problems and help guide them in the direction where they can be the ones to initiate change within themselves. People do not have the same problems across the board. No, they don't. There are all kinds of different things that they're dealing with, challenges that cause them not to be at their best. Exactly. And sedentary lifestyle happens because of depression. Yes. And because of sedentary lifestyle, then the vicious cycle begins. Exactly. You sit, you watch TV, you eat more, you get larger, you, get, you aren't exercising, you aren't doing the kinds of things you need to do in order to be the best possible you. Yes, in, in all arenas. So you, you brought up a very important subject about how when you were ill, you were uh, experiencing some depression. Um, and certainly in the African American depression. Okay, and certainly in the African American community, we don't talk about that very much. Um, but in terms of your Operation Change uh, group, how are you discussing and actually bringing together mental health and spirituality? Because you know those are sensitive subjects with black folks. Very sensitive. There yes. is that stigma, as most of us are aware, but yes. we don't want to talk about it. Going to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or admitting that you have any kind of weakness with your mental health is taboo sure. in our community. It has been. Sure. Now, again, I have to give credit to Reverend Richardson because he is very open from the pulpit about the fact that the brain is an organ just as our hearts and our kidneys. Yes. If you are having heart trouble, you take medication for your heart or you get a procedure done that's going to assist you to um, be able to, to operate better. Um, also within your body, there's the brain that's an organ. And if there is an issue with that, it could be traumatic brain injury or it could just be life. It could be your situation in life. Um, then you need to be able to have the strength and capacity and empowerment to understand that you can get help, that you should get help. And that does not mean that anything's wrong with you. It simply means that just like you would go to the doctor for a checkup for anything else, you would go to someone who's a specialist to help you with your brain health, your mental health. Uh, we bring in speakers okay. that are across the board. There are all kinds of different, um, different areas that we bring them in on. But in our specific site, I could see that there was a definite need for mental health to be discussed. Okay. So I have, over the 18 weeks, I think we spent about six of those weeks focusing on mental health. Good for you, awesome. Um, so I like the fact that you were able to tailor the program and the content, which, is, which speaks to your leadership and in, in, in identifying the needs of you know, what your participants needed um, with your African-American female uh, participants um, and taking a third of the time yes. to concentrate on mental yes. health. I mean, you're really working to shift mindsets here yes. from an educational perspective and the fact that, you know, if all of your participants are not necessarily congregants, 
and That's grace right. that you, you're still able to bring Reverend Richardson's message to those congregants. That's right. So that, I think that's a very important tool for anyone who's thinking about implementing an operation change program or um, who's leading one now. Right. Um, there is a saying that Pastor Richardson says that we don't just come on to church on Sundays to worship, but we have to learn how to be equipped with the tools to make it through the hell that we go through every day. Um, daily situations can cause so much breakdown. Uh, even if you've gone to church on Sunday, you're in Bible study on Wednesday, sure. you are doing all the things that you think are going to have you spiritually equipped, then still, when you walk out of the church, you're walking into life. Yes. And life can, <clears throat> life can really be something if you're not prepared with the uh, tools mentally and spiritually to be able to get through it. Now that spiritual component is very important for us, not just because we are faith-based, but I tell everyone that I know that you have to have an anchor somewhere in your life, an anchor that is going to keep you focused mm -hmm. and keep you striving toward whatever your goal is. Now, none of us are perfect, um, I certainly still deal with a lot of days where I'm not my best self, but I always tell my ladies in Operation Change that we try and we fail. We try harder, we fail better. And every time that we continue to try it, what we're doing, we're getting better and better. It does not happen overnight. Absolutely. It's not not a fix-all at one time. No, it's a process. Yeah, yeah. It's, and we're all growing, right. right? One step at a time. So I love that it sounds like you've taken personal ownership and even empowering your, uh, your uh, participants, not just from a leadership perspective, but it sounds like you're getting right in there and getting them fired up. So. Well, I want to help them achieve sure. what they want. That's the point, right? And uh, we, we have our program broken up into three parts. Okay. We have a, a presentation first, Good. by a specialist and then we go into a movement segment mm. and we always have different types of movement that are uh, being brought in by movement specialists. We've gone through yoga, chair yoga for those that cannot stand okay. because we do have those that um, are only able to sit. Sure. So we modify, I ask all of my, my movement people to modify their um, session so that that everyone is able to participate okay. whether they can stand sit get on the floor whatever but uh we've had a lot of yoga and meditation kickboxing line dancing oh. um praise dancing okay. zumba we you name it we've done it okay. um they particularly like Afrobeats, okay. which I was not familiar with, but uh, I was very glad that I brought in the woman that does the leads the yoga, the uh, Afrobeats. I'm sorry, I was very glad that I brought in the woman that leads the Afrobeats because that became quite a sensation. <laughs> okay. It gets them moving. It's got rhythm, rhythm. It's got you know so much going on, and it touches not only their physical selves but their souls. Absolutely. Deep down. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, it brings that cultural thread in the that cultural, as in the African correct. American community. We don't always get that. That's so right. That, that sounds like a huge component. And then you follow it up with the motivational interviewing after the presentations, movement, motivational interviewing. How have your... Uh, the motivational interviewers are fabulous. Okay. And I, I, of course, picked them, so I'm not trying to toot <laughs> my own horn. But I do credit um, the Movement is Life people for, first of all, creating a program that will enable us to be able to have that piece. I think it's the most important piece sure. of the program. Sure. Um, they are trained to not be psychologists or psychiatrists. Nobody has a degree in that area. They're none of them are doctors. They're just people who have compassion and have been trained very intensively sure. to learn how to guide their groups. Like I said, we have 50 people in the entire uh, group. And then we break out into groups of five so that, so that there are 10 people in each group. Okay. Um, and in so doing, people are able to um, talk very openly. It's a safe space. Yes. We make certain that everything is very confidential. And, um, of course, in the beginning, it takes a minute for them to get used to opening up. And um, some people I have seen very shy and very inhibited week one. Uh, week two, maybe I saw a little bit more okay. interest. They listened. And then by week nine, we have people that didn't say anything at the beginning that are now very verbal <laughs> and are willing to share what's going on in their lives. Okay. In so doing, they find a great deal of support amongst each other. Okay. And people who didn't know each other at all, were total strangers in the beginning, become quite supportive. And it's a sisterhood yes. that ends up happening yes. from that. So they not only are getting together on Saturdays when we meet from 9 to 12, but they also are continuing to be involved in each other's lives and support each other throughout the week via social media, phone calls, walking groups. Nice. They get together. Yeah, and I'm always just nice. really surprised on Saturday morning when I say, okay, ladies, how was your week? And they tell me, oh, we walked five miles. You know, groups have done things together. They got together and decided they were going to do Afro beats on their own. <laughs> uh, so, really um, good. yeah, yeah. Well, it's, so it's you, you built some awareness, and now it sounds like you have true engagement from the participants themselves, right, right. now having created a community within the, the Grace community. And, and, and offshoots, right? Extensions. Well, yes. Grace. Yes, yes. Uh, it's interesting because the, the people outside of Grace that have been a part of the program mm -hmm. have now become part of our family. Love That's it. why we call ourselves the Village of Grace Love it. and not just Grace Baptist Church there you go. because we're open to everyone. And some of them have found their way to a much healthier and more substantial life. Um, the positivity that I see is incredible. 
Awesome. So, so I'd like to just talk logistics as we as we finish up here. You know, it sounds like well, we know Reverend Richardson, and he's a powerful um, <laughs> health advocate. He is just at baseline. But as a program director, if there are other people who are in leadership, or maybe not even like designated leaders, but think this might be a good fit in their church. What type of interactions and what type of conversations did you have to have within your church leadership to get them to say yes, to open up to this program with a group that they didn't necessarily know to say, you know what, let's try this? Because certainly some people are going to question, certainly within the church. Yes. Um, even I questioned at first <laughs> yeah, because I did not know exactly okay. how this program was designed. Sure. So now having gone through the 18 weeks, I'm in a much better position to be able to create a better program for the future. Um, we are blessed within our church to have a lot of medical experts mm -hmm. and judges and other people because that's an important point too why I said judges. Um, this program is not just about health. Okay. It's about social justice because we as a people are so torn and fractured because of our history which is just handed down through the generations and it has caused us to be very fractured. Sure. Um, <clears throat> we are now in the throes in this program of trying to change our thinking and change the way that we relate to each other. So we have specialists within our congregation that have been able to come in and talk to us and because we're familiar with those people, mm. it's not sort of a, oh, this is a professional that's way above me and I can't talk to them so openly. Important. The, the um, rapport and the interaction, the dialogue has been substantial. Um, we also are blessed with a brand new mayor in Mount Vernon who is the first African-American female in Westchester County. She was just elected wow. last week. Her name is Sean Patterson Howard. Okay. And she is not a Grace member. However, she is in the church. We see her a lot. And she came to speak to us on social justice. Okay. Um, there is a hospital, one hospital in Mount Vernon, which they are trying to close right now. Mm. So that Mount Vernon would not have any hospitals within miles. If anything happened to anyone, it would be miles and you know very, very long periods of time before they could get to an emergency center. So this is something that we're trying to fight hard on. And I brought her in to speak to that. And what kinds of things can we as a group do to help make sure that we have access to medical care. Well, the title is Operation Change, and it's not just about changing lives, but it's making, um, you're building a change agents, right? You're building right. effective change agents. Our, our age range has been 45 to 89. Okay. Our oldest participant is 89. Awesome. And the 45 and above, have found a lot of social connections and that's wonderful for them. But the 89 year old told me one day, she said, Hazella, I want you to know that you have given my life purpose. Wow. That really resonated with me 
because as we grow older, especially in the African-American community and in a community that is what they call a dumping ground, um, like Mount Vernon, people get thrown away. Mm -hmm. They feel like they don't have a place. And she is very wise. She has brought a lot to the program. Yes. She's very vibrant, but she walked in on a cane and now she's walking around without it. She told me that one Sunday morning she got up, this was after having had a movement session that was fairly intense uh, the day before. She got up the next morning before church and she cooked her entire meal with no physical assistance and that she was dancing the whole time. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's what we want to hear. We want to hear that type of transformation because right. people, you know, they feel empowered yes. to make the choices. You have to make the choices. I love you that. have to then yes. work hard right. to make the change and change is very difficult. But you're doing it in community, building a supportive network so that they are even connecting, not even just dependent on you are the church. There's, it's an interconnection, and it's that shared, safe space of community support with those common goals. That's right. And now that we finished one program, everyone has come to me and said, is there any way we can continue? And I had a brainstorm. I said, aha, we're getting ready to go into another program. I want you that have completed the program yes. to now come in as mentors for the new participants. Awesome. Well, you're gonna. That's a self-perpetuating. Well, uh, it will keep program. everybody moving in the right that's direction. That's what I mean. So, so that after 18 weeks, you keep them engaged. You don't drop it. That's you right. You stay engaged. Yeah. Well, you've dropped some real pearls for us today on how to build a faith-based operation change program and some of the. I think some of the key components that some of our listeners can take away and take back to their faith-based communities so that we can do that. Because I, I, I love the fact that we're all working together, right? Can I say one more Absolutely. thing? Absolutely. In the faith-based community, you have to stop, start from the top down. Okay, that's a good point. Okay. If your pastor or your leadership yep. in your church does not buy into what this program is all about and the way that it operates, it will not work. Okay. Like anything else. Sure. You, you have to have the leadership understand how important it is for us to make changes within ourselves mm -hmm. and how this program allows that to happen okay. in order to create a better people. We want to be stronger. We want to be more cohesive within our community and stop the infighting that goes on that keeps us right in the positions that we are. The strength and power is there within it. We just, within us, the strength and the power is within us. We just need to be able to galvanize the community, those that are marginalized, pull them into the fold and empower them with information, with hope, and know that they can become better mind, body, and spirit yes. all pulled together. I love that. Maybe I'm stepping out on a limb here, but maybe there are other faith-based individuals who might want to come and see your program, introduce their leadership to it by having them come and take a visit 
or come and talk to you guys at Grace so that they could see it in action. I would personally be delighted okay, good. to speak to anyone <laughs> who is interested. So this is an all call. <laughs> there we go. There we go. The doors, the doors of the church are open. Uh, my, my contact information, I'm sure you'll give. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. They're, they're more than welcome to call on me. I'm welcome to, I'm happy to go wherever it is Perfect. that I, I'm needed. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. they will benefit from hearing um, your experiences, even in building the role with leadership and getting it on that's board. That's right. That's very that, important. That's the important that, that's part. That's the key, yep. is to pull together the right team, the right leadership. Exactly. Yes. Get the yes from the top. Mm -hmm. Well, Ms. Rollins LaVar, thank you so much for sharing with us today. We've, we've just learned so much and we're hoping, and we know that people are inspired and want to go back and do this in their own faith-based community. I so, certainly hope oh, so. Oh, yeah. No, you, we, no you've so. done that. Okay. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> Okay, and we would like to thank our listeners for tuning in to another Health Disparities Podcast. Join us again at movementislifecaucus.com, or you can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. New episodes are posted every two weeks, so please look out for our special series featuring thought leaders such as Ms. rollins Lavar from our partner organizations. Again, these are our leaders who are looking to decrease health care disparities, increase health equity with passion and purpose. This is Dr. Bonnie Simpson-Mason. Thank you so much. It's been a joy. <laughs>